Welcome to Crow and Fern's Guide to Weird Fiction, Folklore, Mythology, and Everything in Between, where Crow breaks down weird fiction and I break down folklore and mythology, which is also often weird. And I am Fern. And I'm Crow. This me. Good job, Crow. <laughs> it is you. Yes. It better be you. I can't see you right now, so I'm really hoping it's you and not like someone who has stolen your identity. I do not want to comment on that. <laughs> this is not an episode on doppelgangers, so be you and not okay. a doppelganger. Okay, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Today's episode is on killer trees. I don't know exactly why, but I have always found this topic fascinating. Trees are so... They're supposed to be like so innocuous, so innocent, just like growing there in their own little space. And yet we have all sorts of stories about them murdering people in various ways, <laughs> which is wild to me. They, I think there's something about uh, something is innocent and I, I don't want to use the word innocuous again. Something is like you're so accustomed to seeing every single day like a tree actually being dangerous when you've always assumed that it was safe i mean yeah yeah that's what a lot of <laughs> horror authors tend to do to freak us the fuck out is that they take things that seem innocent that we pass by without really thinking and then going like what if this but it kills you like children but they yes. kill you trees yes. but they kill you. mannequins but they kill you. So, yeah, it's, it's right. a thing. Holes in the ground, but they kill you. <laughs> and today I'm going to try and make it so you're scared to walk by trees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yay. So discover new fears. <laughs> this is what we're here for. Listen, it's October. Yes. We're all about the, the spooky season. So, yes, we are going to do trees. some scary trees today. Murder trees. That's right and a variety of them. Okay, so we're going to start with the Juboko. Are we starting in Japan? We are starting in we're Japan. We're starting yes. in, it's Japan. Strap on, everyone. She, I told her what strap on means, and now she insists on using I know the word strap, strap on instead Listen, of strap in. <laughs> I'm asexual, but I was into the fanfic, like the fanfic community of like various different fandoms. I know what strap on means. I'm asking people to strap on. It's Japan. But, but. Grab what? your dildos, your tree-shaped dildos <laughs> from Bad Dragon and sit down and listen to the tree okay. story. All right. Welcome to the podcast. We're starting off strong today. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Okay. So picture this. You're, you're walking through a field, right? Just an ordinary field. And, you know, there's some big trees in there. And as you walk by one, it, it looks tall. It doesn't have a lot of branches or leaves. And all of a sudden, it reaches out like it's, it's the branches it has reach out like, like almost like vines and they wrap around you and you get jabbed in the neck by the end of a branch and it's shaped like a tube and it starts sucking your blood. 
Oh, and then Lord. you just, I know. They're <laughs> sucking. You know, I was just like, you know, the longer you talk about it, I'm just like, this isn't a Japanese tale, like a Japanese folklore tale yet. And then when we got to the sucking, I'm like, yep. Okay. Yeah. And so basically it will kill you, suck mm-hmm. all your blood out, let mm. you fall down to the ground, and then let the animals consume your flesh, and then you will just be a pile of bones. And in fact, a lot of times these trees are supposed to have a pile of bones underneath them, which should have been your first clue. Why would you walk by a tree that had a pile of bones under it? I don't know how this tree catches anyone. I feel like it should be obvious by now. <laughs> I feel like, you know, the adventurers out there, and it's sometimes it's really difficult to tell if these are human bones or like different kinds of bones. So you want to take a closer look. And then you do, and the tree sucks your blood. Yes, that's it right. It knows what it's doing. This is how you get maybe, murdered but, by a tree. Like, maybe the, the, the bones have been covered by, like, leaves. And, you know, animals, when they uh-huh. get their grubby little paws on something, they fucking mangle that shit. Like, people's bones have been found, you know, all the way in bumfuck nowhere after getting messed with with animals. That's why serial killers throw, you know, bodies in yeah, forests yeah. sometimes. Yep, and we have definitely had cases where someone's body was discovered because someone's pet dog brought home a bone that looked suspiciously human. (laughs) Exactly. It does happen. Yep. So this murder tree, the Juboko, is supposed to form on places where battles have been fought and so much blood has seeped into the ground that it has corrupted the, the tree. It's a type of yokai, okay. which you know is important to Japanese culture. They have a lot of different types of yokai that uh, mm-hmm. have a lot of different forms and do a lot of different things. It, it's a huge part of the Japanese mythology. And I, I, I hesitate. I know a lot of times I've seen that word translated as demon, but I'm really hesitant to translate it that way because there are plenty of yokai that seem pretty harmless and sometimes even helpful and so I don't think it really equates to the English or the English speaking idea of demon I feel like but you know mm-hmm. okay so for example things like jinn right which uh-huh. are considered the middle eastern uh, form of demons um even though like in I don't know I guess most middle eastern mythology and folklore Everyone knows that there's good jinn and there's bad jinn, but they are mm-hmm. considered demons. Like demons are simply a different species, you know, how like that humans are considered a species and then there's angels and then there's demons, you know? Mm-hmm. So maybe it's the same thing here. It's like they could be demons, but they're not necessarily all bad. Like maybe the more Christian understanding of it, and correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong because I'm not as familiar with um, Christian folklore and like, or like, sorry. Um, beliefs? Like, basically, Christian beliefs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Christian beliefs, exactly. Christian folklore. I'm like, wait, wait, fuck no, crow. That's not what they say. Um, <laughs> sorry. <It's> not. <laughs> so, no, uh, like, yeah. So maybe it's just a different understanding. I forget. Yeah, everyone, please forgive me. I don't Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, on behalf of all. Yeah. And you know, on that note, before you say anything, just in case I offended anyone by mentioning that if it's Japan, it has to be weird. I'm not disrespecting Japanese mythology and folklore. That was a joke. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah just no, in case i i actually think it's cool they're under like their folklore and mythology is actually really cool rich. and has yeah. much deeper layers than what you can find online which is why listen to fern she has listen to me a lot of books i do i <laughs> do and i have a great book on elsewhere. yokai yeah exactly so yeah yeah so that was my point is that there might be good demons and bad demons although you know what when i'm looking it up now it doesn't even translate yokai into deep demons it just translates them into strange apparitions apparitions yeah i was gonna say spiritual um creatures uh, because because like they're they're not like i said i don't think it equates to demons i did hear i have seen it translated as demons but i think a lot of that is like i don't know maybe i'm just thinking of anuyasha where they definitely have used that word in some of the at least in the a dub i saw maybe i don't know <laughs> maybe it was a bad dub i don't know regardless no i've heard it i've heard it translated as demon too this is the first time, like, I'm, I was just curious, so I looked it up, and they didn't translate it as demon, but I've heard it translated yeah, yeah. to that, too. So, Yeah, sorry for the segue. Yeah, I don't think it's a good translation, and so I, I'm... Fair. Gonna, I prefer, like, I think a spiritual creature would probably be better, because, um, you know, they are part of that magical world. I, I don't even know how to explain it, but they're not human they're kind of their own class of thing <laughs> and and yeah. i think that's where we're yeah. gonna go with that their own they're their own thing okay so going back to how yeah. they're formed there's a battle lots of blood sinks mm -hmm. into the ground makes the tree an evil yokai and then it starts feeding on the blood of humans okay the branches if they break off and <laughs> mm -hmm. i guess that sometimes happens you can use them to decant decontaminate or heal someone who needs that mm -hmm. the tree itself will always appear fresh and healthy if it feeds on blood obviously if it doesn't feed on blood it doesn't look as good okay yeah so that's what i was going to cover with that and i wanted to say like the yokai in japanese mythology are very a well researched most of the time like it, as much as possible mm -hmm. and when people heard of this one they were determined to try and figure out what its origins were and mm -hmm. the earliest mention are you ready for this mm -hmm. was in no. 1974 in a manga <laughs> of this yokai of this yokai yeah yeah which i think surprised a lot of people because <laughs> yeah i yeah color me surprised i was just going to comment on i was just going to be like you know that just says so much about like the depth of the folklore and mythology that you actually have to put research into it and various mm -hmm. like anthropologists and folklore specialists have to blah 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 and then you're like actually it was in a manga <laughs> well why, and why? a lot of the yokai are very well documented you know as much as possible because obviously over time some records get lost so that you can't find a perfect record of everything but they do have like the book of yokai which is a great book by the way and they're a great resource i would definitely say and lots of other old old documents that do document the different types of yokai tell different stories they looked at their typical old documents to try and find this one and then they, someone was like wait a minute wait a minute this one isn't in yeah. any of the old ones. And people started to put together <laughs> that the uh, author of this manga, whose name was Shigeru Mizuki, mm. 
probably created him. He had this manga called Gegege no Kitaro, and mm. it basically went over a lot of yokai, and it used a lot of the old ones. And so they just okay. kind of assumed, you know, since there were so many yokai in that manga that could be documented back to original myths and legends, that... Mm-hmm. They all could be. And that was not the case. <laughs> he, mm-hmm, in fact, he mm-hmm. himself admitted, he said he created about 30 original new yokai to kind of fill out the, the story. So that okay. was interesting. So it uh, wasn't his intention. Well, I don't know, because he admitted he created like 30 new yokai, but he never clarified which ones he'd created. And it can be difficult sometimes to trace back the origins of some yokai and so people were like well just tell us tell us where your sources are so (laughs) and when he didn't you know they Mm -hmm. started to think like okay this might be one of those 30 Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it does seem like it is because there's no way to trace it back further than the the manga so far Uh, and so at this point they're Mm kind of like well you know it's been what almost 50 years if we were going to be able to do that we would have been able to do it by now and so this mm-hmm. is not, <laughs> this is when he made up, which good for him. Like, go get it. You know, <laughs> I, I love that he was, was able to do to that. Say, like, <laughs> like, I mean, you know, we've had this discussion before, but it was basically like what separates urban legends from folklore mm-hmm. and mythology? It's like people and, you know, I'm not going to insult folklore by like drawing you know lines between creepypasta and folklore (laughs) but just saying that people come up with crazy stories and then they pass on these crazy stories to like their friends and family and you know somehow they get passed on through generations and doesn't that all Uh like uh you know go back to humanity and our tendency to come up with crazy stories that we decide are defining aspects of our culture. So I don't think what he did was like wrong. No, he was um, just I don't think so either. adding to it. I mean, like it's, a, yeah, it's a new yokai. And one at what, some point, it's not going to be new anymore, you know? Well, the, the time that we previously talked about this was when we did the first recording of this before the, the file got corrupted. So I feel like you just repeated back to me what I said the first time we did this. <laughs> maybe. I literally cannot remember anything you said in the first well, recording. Well, that's probably so maybe good. some subconscious part of me. You know, the, the whole concept of folklore and mythology is about repeating a story that someone else told you. And that all has to start somewhere, you yeah. know? The... So, you know, it's all about, like, the stories that we tell each other. And then if people find it Mm -hmm. worthwhile to repeat those stories, then, yeah, that it does become folklore Mm -hmm. and mythology. To Mm -hmm. dismiss things like creepypastas or (laughs) campfire stories, Mm -hmm. I think, is incorrect. Because if they endure the test of time, then, yeah, that is folklore. You know, that is mythology. And... You could kind of see it in action. Like, I think if you look at Mothman, that's an example of a modern story that yeah. I would definitely qualify as folklore at this point. And I think um, Mizuki really did succeed in making a new yokai because between the period mm-hmm. of time when he introduced this vampire tree, the Juboko, and the time that we figured out that this was actually something he made up and not one of the canon yokai, so to speak. 
It was yeah, repeated. Yeah. It was repeated in other manga and anime, and uh, the story continued on, you know? So I think mm-hmm, that's a mm-hmm. clear sign that people accepted it. People loved it. it. They found it to be a story worth repeating, and I think that does qualify it as folklore at this point. So okay. that was pretty cool. I yeah. agree. <laughs> All right. So hop on, because we're going to travel across the globe to Guadalajara, Mexico now. Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready? I'm ready. What we have yes. is a tree called the Vampire Tree of Guadalajara, but it's called a vampire mm-hmm. tree for a very different reason. It will not suck your blood, <laughs> but it has mm-hmm. other dangers that it hides. So this tree okay. is a real tree. This is an actual tree that you can visit. It's at El Panteón mm-hmm. de Belén, which is a very historic place in Guadalajara. I want to mention now that it used to be attached to a hospital. And, you know, like, not not like Ooh. a modern hospital, but one of those, like, it, it, the kind of hospital that you can kind of picture, like, Shane and Ryan from, from, like, BuzzFeed Unsolved, I guess, Watcher now going to investigate because it'd be, like, haunted haunted as fuck like how far back are we talking like 40s and 60s or more like in the 1700s where people used to get poked with sticks for being sick well i'm not sure when the actual hospital was formed but the story that we're talking about was from the 1800s so okay so poked with sticks (laughs) but after the humors after the humors yeah Yeah, it's not that far back we're not we're not going into medieval times and again like this is mexico not europe so I don't think the whole humors slash leeches thing, I hope it didn't take, I I suddenly realized I don't know what medicine looked like in the 1800s in Mexico. No idea. I know what it looked like in the Middle East, but not in Mexico. I'm sorry. So I don't know. I I feel disappointed. Maybe it was a lot more advanced. I I thought you were a doctor. Because I know it was advanced in the Middle East. (laughs) You thought I was a doctor? Well, I lied to you. I knew it. I knew it. I I use (laughs) bone saws to cure fucking everything. You got a cold bone saw, my guy. I mean, I can look it up. Yeah, go ahead. So I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. Anyway, that's that's not really important. The important thing is like El Panteón de Belén is a graveyard (laughs) that is attached to... to Okay. was attached to a hospital right and it is definitely Mm -hmm. one of those places that's thought to be very haunted you know that you can get nighttime tours the guide will take you around and show you like all sorts of things that are supposed to be haunted and one of these things is this tree so you can actually go to Guadalajara go to El Panteón de Belén get a tour and the tour guide will take you around to see this gigantic really wild looking tree yeah. and and I would look up the vampire tree of Guadalajara just to look at this tree because it is wild like it is a crazy looking tree like if you were going to say like okay what does a haunted tree look like I feel like this is one that you would look at and say like, yeah, this might be like a really dangerous, haunted, crazy tree or something like that. Yeah, it's not hard to picture. (laughs) Oh, found it, found it, sorry. It's, yeah, Guadalajara. Okay, I was spelling it Guantalajara, so that's my, ooh, God, yeah, I can see that. (laughs) Everyone should look it up. It is worth the look up. It's worth the Google. Like, it is something else. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. It's, yeah, yeah, I can imagine that tree killing me. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And I have to say, like, I say it's spooky, but like, 
It's awesome. Like, it really is an awesome tree. <laughs> if I was ever in Guadalajara, I would go on the tour. <laughs> like, you know, one of those trees that has really big trunks uh -huh. and the trunk is sort of divided into multiple smaller trunks that look like, uh -huh. you know, I don't know, like, that's the only way I can describe it. But it's huge. And it has one of those canopies that just sort of fall uh -huh. on. Yeah. Hide everything. So, like, it gives you privacy while it sucks you dry of blood. And This I don't know, one won't suck you dry of blood. Soul essence. <laughs> you call it a vampire well, tree. Well, there's a reason for that. Be patient. We're going to get okay. there. There's, a, there's a story that goes along with this and why it's called a vampire tree. And it goes back to the 1800s. And... There are several, there are actually like three different versions of this story that I found. And depending on when the, which story I was looking at, it, when it happened kind of varied. But it, it all was in the 1800s. One story said in the early 1800s, one said in the mid 1800s, one went with straight up 1880. So like, let's go with 1800s. <laughs> One of those. Okay. One of those. <laughs> anyway, the story goes that one day... Oh, and I want to point out, anyone who has already listened to my vampire episodes knows that during that time, the two big books for for vampires came out in the 1800s. Stoker's was really towards the end of the 1800s, and so it, this might not have played as big of a role in that, but Polyodori's was pretty early on, I do think that that book coming out had an influence on this story. And, and you'll be able to see <laughs> as I read the story. But mm -hmm. this, the story goes mm -hmm. that a strange European man arrived in Guadalajara. He wore all black. He only walked at night. And he looked like a very refined gentleman. So already we're seeing a lot of the characteristics that we saw in Polyodori's... Of an introvert. Well, no, of like a an aristocratic, refined vampire. Okay. Fine. <laughs> well, Fine. I, I think he probably was an introvert, which is funny because Polyodori's vampire was not. He was more of a socialite because remember he was mocking Byron <laughs> with that mm -hmm. uh, characteristic. But yeah. Yeah, so strange European man. Animals started dying in the area that he was around. Uh, people were concerned about that. Well, they weren't hugely concerned at first because animals do die. But as it started to get more and more frequent, they were like, but they're drained of blood. You know, that's kind of weird. That's weird that they're drained of blood. And the story also goes that it started happening to kids as well, like especially newborns. They'd be found in their crib. Being drained of blood? Mm -hmm. They'd be found in their cribs completely okay. drained of blood. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like El Chupicabra. Yeah, yeah, Chupac except for, Sorry. you know, like British and refined, I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nobody, okay. nobody wanted to go out at night, which you... You can understand that. And people were getting more yeah. and more concerned. You know, in one of the legends, women started to get attacked as well. People were kind of getting at the end of their limits. They're like, we can't go out at night. Everyone's living in fear. This is a really tough way to live. So let's, you know, mm -hmm. get a little mob going. Do a little mob stuff. And they did. They got out the mob. Okay. And this is where... That's how we, like, they solved everything in the old-timey times. Yeah, pitchforks pitch solve all the problems. Grab a pitchfork. Pitchforks and torches, there's not a problem you can't solve, except, you know, like, plagues <laughs> and earthquakes. 
And, you know, like... They didn't try. Like, you know, you know it's they did not true. try to grab the pitchforks against the plague. Actually, you did explain in the vampire episode that they kind of did try to take the pitchfork approach to tuberculosis, and that didn't really right. do much. Well, yeah, because the idea was that <laughs> the vampires would drain your energy, that which is a more traditional aspect yes. of vampires. They would drain yeah, your energy... But it, and uh, that would mm. make you sick. So the illness was was mm-hmm. a result of the vampire draining your energy, exactly. which is very so grab rude. the pitchforks. Very rude. Go to the European introvert guy, who's aristocratic. Yeah, and this is where the story kind of breaks off into three different parts because one story goes that you know they were they were mobbing around town looking for a vampire, and they found this dude, and they're like, "You look like a vampire because you're like." pale and white and ghostly looking and i'm like cries <laughs> mm-hmm. in european because like we're just this white people i'm sorry <laughs> pasty, pasty. L- listen clearly it means that you don't have enough blood in you europeans are just pasty sometimes okay <laughs> no obviously like i'm glad this piece of folklore is teaching me what you really are a vampire? No. Yes. If I was a How vampire, if I was a vampire, you would be drained of blood by now. I don't think I'm interesting enough for you to drain me of blood. And I don't know about your other friends, so I don't know. Oh, oh. Maybe you drained other people of blood. Well, if you're not interesting yeah. enough to drain of blood, maybe I should have started a podcast with one of my other friends. What there? Oh, oh. Wow. Oh, oh, no. no. Oh, the breakup. This is our third episode, and we're already breaking up, you guys. It's not our third episode, but okay. <laughs> is it? It is. No, it's like the eighth. Oh, it's your fourth episode. Right. Right. So I think this will come out as the seventh. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting that, yeah, we do two episodes per week. <laughs> it's our eighth episode, and we're already breaking up, you okay. guys. Okay. Please send money to my GoFundMe. Send me emotional Tell support. us about how the story branches into three. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I'm going to shut up now. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the other, the second story goes that they just started raiding homes. So this, when we say this was a mobby mob, it really was. They were just breaking into people's homes. They found a dude in his bed and they were like, yeah, you're the vampire. Uh, and, and the, you know, it was the, the European, the pasty white European dude. And so they dra- drove a stake into his heart. Which, you know, again, I you would like some sort of trial, some sort of like, definitely this is him, you know. No. No? Okay, I guess we're just doing the mobby mob thing. The third one is a little bit normal. They basically go to, I guess, I don't know if this, (laughs) never mind. I'm going to, I retract the word normal. I take it back. But it's a little less like (laughs) anti-European. In this version, they go to the graveyard and they kind of, camp out and they hide and wait and eventually they see this like inhuman monster kind of thing walking around and they look at it and they're like yep vampire that's definitely a vampire vampire and uh and it's just a tall dude with like acromegaly or something you know it's the 1800s pretty much regardless of where you are this is just kind of how you roll with vampire hunting. <laughs> and yeah, so they killed it. They killed the, the demon. The demon. And it is gone now. Yeah. But, you know, the thing with, with vampires is how do you kill something that's already dead? 
dead, yeah. Tell us. Well, they weren't really sure that they had killed it. So instead, they chose to make sure that it couldn't escape. Basically, they dragged the vampire to the Santa Paula Cemetery and uh, staked him through the heart, depending on, you know, which version. But regardless, the vampire gets dragged to Santa Paula Cemetery. They do make a stake of a camachin branch, which uh, was not a tree I was familiar with, but it's apparently native to that area. And Mm -hmm. I think it might be what the vampire tree is made out of. In fact, that would make a lot of sense Mm -hmm. with the story. They make a stake from the camachin branch because an old lady told them that that was the way to do it and that would work. And so they they put this the vampire in a coffin, stake him through the heart. They did it right, staked it all the way to the the coffin. So you know it's like pinning the nail him to exactly, the coffin, exactly, exactly. That that is how you do it. That is how you do. Mm-hmm. It's not just a stake through the, the heart. Then they put a giant slab of cement mm-hmm. over the grave to keep to make sure that this vampire could not rise smart yeah yeah and they thought they were done with it and went on their way but they were not done with it it was not over what happened next (laughs) is one day months later someone was walking by and noticed that the slab of concrete had broken a little bit and there was something growing out of it and it grew and it grew bigger and bigger and bigger until Mm -hmm. it was a giant tree (laughs) <laughs> and this is the vampire tree. Okay. The tree that grew from the stake that was driven into the vampire's heart. Okay. And because the cement, it destroyed the cement slab, basically, the, the legend goes that the tree is keeping the vampire in there. And if it ever dies, the vampire will become free. And it will te- terrify Guadalajara oh. once again. So they need to keep the tree alive at all costs. Yeah, and it's really old at this point, so <laughs> who knows how much longer it has. I don't like this. <laughs> well, how would you feel about a trip to Guadalajara? Should we go? Let's go. No, y- you can go. I might go. I, I would actually want to see this. You know what? <laughs> I, be- I bet I could hunt a vampire. I bet I could stake a vampire. I know all the rules. Better than the vampires know the rules at this point. <laughs> I don't think we have vampires in the Middle East. Or like, oh, you if do. we do, you do. Th- we probably call... Do we? Yes. I could do an episode of um, Middle Eastern vampires. They're not the same. Do it. I want to know what they're called. <laughs> they're not the same as, as European ba- vampires. Like every place in the world has kind of their own version of vampires. And it, it does vary okay. a lot. Okay. Anyway, if one cuts this tree, it bleeds. So like the instead of like Ooh. sap coming out, it will be the blood of the vampire's victims that will seep out of the tree. And they say that if you visit at night, and by the way, you can get night tours. I checked. You can get night tours of this place. You will see the faces of its victims in the bark. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Fucking creepy. I know. And this tree is 200 years old, and they have a fence around it to protect it, to prevent people to get out too close to it. You know, because everyone, this legend is well known. And you can see I the mean, fence, actually. I mean, you know that actually. some idiot or the other is going to be like, oh, I'm going to break off a branch so I can keep it in my scrapbook and, like, you know, yeah. fuck respecting <laughs> the culture behind it. Yeah. So, there's yeah, always like, an I idiot. Get, I get why they would want to protect it. For sure. For sure. All right. And this is just a little side story that also involves a tree. It's not a killer tree. (laughs) But 
I guess like okay. this one, this one is kind of containing the killer vampire, but it's still kind of evil, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> if it dies, though, we're all fucked. It's a tree. I, I would say the tree is not evil in this context. No, the I don't think it is what's actually. protecting yeah, us. Yeah. The, and then this one, it's a tree from the same cemetery. And it's actually another one that you can also go visit, another site that is on the tour. And again, the tree isn't the killer part, but I this is such a cool story that I can't tell it. Basically, this is how it goes. Okay. There was this guy named Santiago, and he became very mm. ill. He had cancer. And remember, this cemetery used to be attached to a hospital. And so he went to the hospital where this cemetery was attached and he was treated there for his cancer. He stayed there a long time. It was like really miserable. You know, cancer, it, it is a miserable thing. And I, I am going to put a little warning on this one because he does start to lose hope and he doesn't want to die slowly. So a good trigger warning, mm -hmm. he decides to go and kill himself. And he goes mm -hmm. to the cemetery and he finds this big old tree and he hangs himself in the tree. And honestly, like, mm -hmm. it's it's such a rough thing. I can kind of, like, <laughs> cancer's rough. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, mm -hmm. that tree did eventually get cut down. But the stump remains, and you can go visit the stump. And the story is that if you visit this place at night, you will be able to see the shadow of the entire tree as it used to be. And when you look at the shadow you can see someone hanging mm -hmm. in the branches. I don't like that. Yeah, it's kind of I pretty really spooky, don't. right? <laughs> that's yeah. A, that's a yeah, great that's story. That's really fucking terrifying. <laughs> I, it's, such a, yeah. well, I, it's such a great mental image. I, I got goosebumps. I couldn't not share it. <laughs> I can just literally just like see it and imagine the creaking sounds from like the body swinging on the tree. Mm -hmm, that they, no, mm -hmm. absolutely not. Yep. <laughs> Why does it always have to be nighttime for me when we record these things? I don't know. Because it's funny, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We, we can okay. switch it up. Anyway, that's Guadalajara. We're going to go across the world again because this is a very globetrotty episode. And this time we're going to Madagascar which is one of uh, <laughs> the most infamous stories of killer trees. <laughs> and this one we can actually trace back to a specific day, which is wild because that's often not the case. But the legend started on April 28, 1874. And it was because okay. in the New York world, there was an article published by a German explorer named Carl and Licky, L-I-C-H-E. You speak a little German. How do I say that? <laughs> I'm assuming L-I what? C-H-E. C-H-E. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Is it Licka? I don't know. I would need to look it up. Okay. Well... Yeah. There's a reason I'm not as worried about it as I other would be, but we'll get into that in a second. It's Lich, apparently. Okay. The English pronunciation. Carl Lich. Okay, so there was a German explorer named Carl Lich. Mm-hmm. Well, if that's the English... It's probably Licka, I'm guessing. Okay. Anyway, he wrote mm -hmm. about this experience he had on Madagascar. He found this 
tribe he called the Makoto tribe, and he described a sacrificial ritual that he supposedly witnessed. And I'm just going to read what he wrote, what was published in this article, because you kind of just need to hear it. Okay. So it goes... The slender, delicate palpi with the fury of starved serpents quivered a moment over her head. Uh, again, this is human sacrifice. This is the woman that was being sacrificed. Then, okay. as if instinct with a dem- demonic, it actually says demoniac, with demonic <laughs> intelligence fastened upon her in sudden coils round and round her neck and arms. Okay. Then, while her awful screams and yet more awful laughter rose wildly to be instantly strangled down again into a gurgling moan. The tendrils, one after another, like giant green serpents with brutal energy and infernal rapidity, rose, retracted themselves, and wrapped her about in fold after fold, ever tightening with cruel swiftness and savage tenacity of anacondas fastening upon their prey. And he did that, you know, then goes on to describe her being pulled into the tree and consumed. There is an illustration of this. They made an illustration for the article. Mm-hmm. It is a wild picture. I'm just going to look it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look up the, I think it's called the, like the carnivorous tree of Madagascar. Okay. And just a black and white old school newspaper illustration like you typically see. I would definitely recommend looking it up because it is quite the illustration. We'll, we'll try and post some of this stuff too. This episode in particular, I feel like, has given me a lot of different things that I want to mm-hmm. post on maybe like Instagram or Twitter. It's or actually a really cool illustration. I know I keep saying that. I know I uh-huh. keep calling stuff cool, but you, you know, they don't leave much uh-huh. room to the imagination because they capture everything pretty much as you described it. Uh-huh. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. 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 Awesome. Look it up. It is the, you can look up the man eating plant um, article on Wikipedia or just, um, the carnivorous tree of Madagascar, and you'll find it. Yep. Yeah, I think that I do believe that was similar to what my original search yes. was. Anyway, this claim was repeated in another book in 1924 by Governor Chase Osborne of Michigan, mm-hmm. and then it was debunked in 1955 by Willie Lay. Okay. <laughs> As it turns out, it doesn't matter how you say Licherlicke because he was not a real person. He was a made-up person. Okay. The Makoto tribe was a made-up tribe. This ritual was a made-up ritual, and the tree was also equally made mm-hmm. up. None of it was true. Not a word. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> shocker. Yeah, it was all just kind of like a publicity thing to try and get more readers in for the newspaper. Mm-hmm. So not a word of it was true. But it did spark a lot of conversation, a lot of, it inspired a lot of writing and mythology, mm-hmm. you know. In 1884, there was another one that was kind of, I, I think, sparked a little bit by this original story. It was a little, it wasn't a tree. This was a carnivorous vine. This happened in 1880. Four, it was called the Yataveo, mm-hmm. which in Spanish is Now I See You. And the first hint that this was not a real thing is that it was supposed to be in both Africa and Central America. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> which those are very far apart. And if you know anything about carnivorous plants, they are they are actually very delicate. And the idea that the, a delicate carnivorous plant would be in both of these places just seems very unlikely to me. But I, yeah. I think at the same time, it un- underlies people's 
fear of the unknown because in both cases these are places with a lot of dense forests a lot of like unfamiliar terrain where people are basically the white explorers coming in are kind of freaked out and afraid Mm -hmm. of and it's kind of this they both occupied the space of like the mysterious unknown at the time anyway that was a created by james w buell also debunked sad (laughs) and then there was an article about william thomas dead 1889 there was another vampire vine in nicaragua that turned out to be a fraud by editor Mm-hmm. And the article was published in 1891, but he claimed that it happened in 1889. So there were a couple of these like fake stories that have all been debunked, mm-hmm. but it did inspire a lot of literature, including Little Shop of Horrors, <laughs> which might be one that you're familiar with. I'm not, but people listening it's, might be. It's the Feed Me Seymour one where he's like got the, the giant carnivorous plant and He's got to feed people to it or it'll eat I him. I feel like I know this, but I can't say that I do. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm definitely familiar with someone feeding people to its to their plant. I would have to look okay. it up. Sorry. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, this got me thinking, how does this connect to real plants? Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked a lot about killer plant, killer trees and various killer plants. And I started thinking, but in real life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in real life, are, is there any chance that I could be taken out by a tree? Basically, like there are carnivorous plants out there. Some of which are much bigger than I thought. Like I I did find a pitcher plant that was like five feet Mm -hmm. tall, which was much bigger than I thought they got. It was a very impressive photo. I will say that. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, you know, like, okay, let's say worst case scenario, you somehow end up in the pitcher plant. Does it win? Do you take out the pitcher plant or does the pitcher plant take out you? And unless you're like already dead when you go in the pitcher plant, you're you're gonna win basically like it's they're delicate you could punch through the balls even the big ones only take catch like small lizards and small rodents Mm -hmm. you know nothing too big because if you think about it like what plant have you not been able to like rip through Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you really needed to at any point you know like and we're not talking about like tree trunks obviously but you know petals leaves things like that it's not superhuman like even if you take the best case scenario for the pitcher plant let's say you get like a four-year-old that by some miracle of darwinism manages to end up in the pitcher plant (laughs) they're still winning the, the four-year-old wins. The toddler wins. They, they, they could still push their way, like, rip their way through the pitcher plant. No problem. I feel like even just the act of, like, someone going into the pitcher plant, their weight is so much, they're probably going to destroy it on the way down. Exactly. So you win. You win against the carnivorous plants that actually exist. Rest assured, I'm sure someone out there needed to know that there is no carnivorous plant alive that can eat you. So far. <laughs> so far that, well true um but But. there are some dangerous trees that could take you out examples do you want to hear about the trees that could kill you there there are actually quite a few and i picked a few of the most interesting ones i thought okay the first one is the uh i had this looked up the first time and now i forgot to look it up again the machineal tree i think in florida they are so poisonous that standing under it will give you blisters Actually, I don't think that one kills you, but I don't lick it. Don't eat it. 
Don't go near it. <laughs> right, right. If you eat any part of it, it does kill okay. you. But standing under it gives you blisters, which is wild. Okay, okay. Then there is this thing called the bunya pine, which is in Australia. It is a huge pine mm-hmm. tree. And the uh, cones that it makes, weighs, <laughs> they can weigh up to 6 kilograms or 13 yeah. pounds. And they will fall suddenly. They've been known to fall on people's mm-hmm. heads. And yeah, you're not going to you're not gonna survive that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But that did actually remind me of like other things. Because you always hear about if a coconut falls on you because mm-hmm. you've been standing under a coconut tree, that'll kill you. You know, more people die by coconuts falling on their heads then die by shark attacks that's one statistic i've heard quoted at me many times is it true and and so i started to think yes it is true <laughs> i started to think though like okay so coconuts are really hard but what other what other fruit could fall on your head and kill you and so i started to google like all of the things that i i suspected might like jackfruit and durian mm-hmm and yeah, I was able to find cases of people being killed by both of those. Every every fruit that I was like, I feel like this one could kill you if it fell on you. I was able to look up and find a case of it killing someone. So the moral of the story is if the fruit tree makes really big fruit, don't stand under the fruit tree. You know, that is actually fairly dangerous. <laughs> Which is good advice. Like if the tree is like flinging bombs at you, maybe just give it some space. I feel like death by durian would be especially miserable because those things are so pokey pretty sharp yeah you, d- you don't want durian falling on your head at like 70 miles per hour i don't know no you don't you do not do you know about the spike tree i don't remember what it's called but it's this tree and it's the one that i was about to go to because you've re- <laughs> Stop stealing my thunder. I just, I just remembered it. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, that's where I'm going. Uh, okay, so it's called the, the spike tree that you're referring to is the sandbox tree. Okay, it's in the Americas. Usually, the when we say Americas, uh, in this case, I mean the warmer Americas. It does go up to like Florida mm-hmm. and you know some of the warmer areas, but not up, you know, not up to the the w- colder places where you get like a proper winter. Okay. And it is absolutely covered in sharp spines. I don't think anyone would want to touch it because there's literally nowhere for you to grab the trunk. It is just all spines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, it, it looks dangerous, but that's not how it would kill you, actually. It has this fruit that as it grows, it gets and dries out. It gets really, really, there. there's a lot of tension in it until it just explodes. And it sends these pieces shooting out at up to 70 miles per hour. <laughs> and that can take you out. And it also has very poisonous sap as if that was not enough. <laughs> so I did actually Google that because I was like, well, okay, 70 miles per hour. Is that getting close to gunshot range? Because I feel like that's getting close to gunshot shot range and it turns out that if you have like a nine millimeter which is of course gonna be a a smaller gun those can get to around 90 miles per hour so it's not far off actually (laughs) not nearly as far off as you would like it to be from like gunshot speeds 
Fucking trees. Trees are shooting us now. I know that one is a pretty cranky tree. Avoid the sandbox tree because it's got multiple ways to try and kill you. <laughs> the tree is just trying. You know what? I don't blame the tree. You know what? You were talking about carnivorous plants. I got curious and I was like about the really big ones that you were talking about, the pitcher plants. And I looked them up and it uh -huh. turns out that most carnivorous plants or insectivore plants are close to going extinct. Uh -huh. Because of human activity. Yeah, and like, would they're you, delicate. Would you not be an angry, spiky tree if, like, humans were just taking out your kind <laughs> one at a time? I'm on the side of the trees here, to be honest. <laughs> it, I guess it's developed a defense against its most dangerous predator. Humans. Which is us. us. As usual. Humans. All right, and this last one I just thought was kind of cool looking, honestly. It's called the Angel's Trumpet. Mm -hmm. It's from Brazil. It's pretty much extinct in the wild but it still exists in cultivated forms and i highly recommend you look this tree up because it is unlike any other tree i've seen it actually looks pretty cool it's has a really nasty poison that can give you severe hallucinations and it will put you in a zombie-like state mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. say you know where you're very suggestible and you're very out of it uh, basically and it is said that it has been used by bad shaman which i'm distinguishing from good shaman because not every shaman is a bad shaman yep. but if you are a bad shaman in brazil and you wanted a zombie-like slave this is the plant that you would use to do it you would take the the poison of this and you you know basically drug someone you're hallucinating you're out of it you're suggestible you're not gonna feel great exactly yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah so cool cool tree looks super cool cool tree very toxic very toxic it's still used as an ornamental like it is a cool looking tree i can see someone using it in wedding pictures it's gorgeous absolutely gorgeous yeah and there's so many pictures of people just handling the trumpet flowers and you have to wonder yeah it's not smart don't don't do that don't do that <laughs> do you want me to tell you what could happen if you go for it yeah like okay we'll hear from so, dr crow dr crow will tell us this isn't like a dr crow fact because i wasn't familiar with this until now <laughs> but basically symptoms may include intense thirst difficulty with speech and swallowing vomiting diarrhea Fever, confusion, hallucinations, delirium, dilated pupils, seizures, and coma. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So probably stay away. Yeah. <laughs> I think at the very least, you just need to handle it responsibly because I know people do cultivate it because it, it is a really remarkable looking tree. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. So it is cultivated. And I think if you know what you're doing, you can do it safely. But if you don't, you might get into trouble. And did you know that they're considered extinct in the wild now? I did actually say that earlier on. I didn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry shame on you okay. crow <laughs> shame on me again okay, yes sorry. i did know that i yeah. was just mesmerized by how pretty they look <laughs> you know what they put you in a zombie-like state you're in a trance now oh they're rich they're rich in scopolamine which is hyocene I, I was thinking like when i'm reading through the symptoms i'm like oh that kind of sounds familiar uh -huh. that's why they cause uh, paralysis of smooth muscles and everything else that i talked about the tremors and uh -huh. yeah 
anyway, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, that that it's interesting to get a doctor's take on that because I, re- I do remember seeing that symptom list and I'm like, this is, this is more crow's area than mine. <laughs> That's basically what I had for trees. Hopefully you are a little more cautious around your arboreal friends now. <laughs> Actually, most trees are fine. We don't know that. I just think it's a cool, cool story, cool aspect of plants. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, they, they can, trees can kill you, but most of them won't. Sorry, that just that we know of. <laughs> when I said that, it just sounded silly to me. Um, anyway, they can kill you. Most of them won't because they're good. And I just think it's so fascinating to see the lore around something that we are around constantly and just assume is safe. So beware yes. the trees. And that's pretty much it. Stay away from trees. Stay inside. Don't touch grass. <laughs> touch all the grass you want as long as it's not by a tree or once by trees as long as it's not a dangerous tree anyway as long as it doesn't break just it. to give you a heads up for what's coming up this is my last episode for october crow still has one more and mm-hmm. it will be a junji ito episode if i'm remembering correctly crow yes yes we will be talking about junji ito yes no killer trees in this one he does have a story about killer trees but we won't be discussing that one okay i'm sorry <laughs> Sorry, guys. It was, it's actually vampiric killer trees, too, technically. Crap, maybe I should have talked about that one. <laughs> too late now. Anyway, (laughs) we've already recorded that one. So Crow's episode comes out on Thursday. And then for the month of November, we have a theme. We are not going to have a theme every month, but for whatever reason, (laughs) we decided to do a theme for (laughs) November. And the theme is serial killers. Serial killers. Yep, yep. (laughs) That's not how the song goes. Yeah, I'm going to be going over how legend and folklore intersect with the concept of serial killers. And I will be covering some very big and famous cases that dealt heavily in a folklore. And Crow, do you want to talk a little bit about what you will be going over? We're going to be going over more psychological horror, psychological thriller, weird fiction stories. So I'm going to be discussing two movies and two books and we'll look into the techniques employed by different authors and filmmakers in bringing you basically horror without the use of techniques like jump scares and you know basically the techniques that people are sick of we're not going to be looking into those we'll be looking into some really creepy weird shit so Uh yeah yep yep strap on i am so looking forward to you getting over that (laughs) Anyway, I I, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And so signing off, this is Fern. And Crow. Bye. And also, before we stop recording, please remember, like, if you enjoy the stuff that we talk about, give us a follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or technically wherever you get your podcasts. We're working on getting on all the platforms. Follow our Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube channel, please. And give us a review if you happen to have the time. Yes, thank you for taking the time to do that in advance. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Okay, this time for real. Bye. Bye. Adding this at the very end because we forgot to record it. Professional, we know. 
If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to give us a follow. Um, we're available on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you're feeling super generous, feel free to give us a review. We would love to know what you think. Um, and if you're feeling extra wacky and want access to things like wacky art, bloopers, behind the scenes, or want to share your thoughts, your wacky tales, or suggest what we should do next, then feel free to follow us on our social media, all of which will be linked in the description. Um, we're available on Instagram at Crow and Ferns Guide, without the apostrophe, Twitter at Crow underscore and underscore Fern, TikTok at Crow underscore and underscore Ferns, without the apostrophe, underscore Guide, or you can send us an email at Crow and Ferns, without the apostrophe, Guide at gmail.com. Thank you.